Hi, I'm Daryl. And I'm Petros. And welcome to episode six of season two, Getting Defoe You, where from Heaven's Gate to the present day, join us as we get to know Willem Defoe in this dedicated Defoe podcast. So it feels like um feels like it's all nearly over already. The first half has been done, Patros. Jeez. I- I know, over the over, over the hump, as it were. And you know it's all about the hump in the sexy season. We're all about the hump, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think we're going to let this die six episodes in, do you? <laughs> <laughs> There's listeners going, maybe they're going to drop the sexy season bit. Like, I don't, I don't know, where do we go from here as well? What's season three? Uh, the sociopathic season. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, maybe fittingly, it's the repenting season. Uh, season three. You um, you know, you and I have been saying that this is the sexy season. Whether intentionally or not, there's going to be a theme. So I think it is a prayer is going to be the theme for season three. <laughs> uh, but fittingly, it's also in keeping with today's episode as well. Uh, you know, but you know, just in case they haven't seen the episode title, what is it we are covering today, Pedros? We are talking about Martin Scorsese's 1988, The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, baby, baby, baby. Uh, so this is a, a biggie. This one was a biggie. I, it's one of those where you've probably heard of the title of it. You've probably seen it parodied hither or thither and it's You've definitely seen the gif <laughs> <laughs> you've probably seen the gif of uh willem dafoe holding up a little cup as well so who knew we were going to get so deep into the biblicalism of it all and the religion of it all in season two not me even though we definitely selected the running order i knew this was happening <laughs> uh but for suspense reasons not me but we still keep it sexy. Well, that's that's how I like my religion. Just a little, a little dash of sex appeal. <laughs> I, I, I like a priest, you know, and a bit of ankle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 18th century and there's some ankle showing in the tavern. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to, to, to link it back to season one. We had a, we had a kind of sexy priest in that, didn't we? And, uh... <laughs> yeah, you see, we don't forget our roots. <laughs> yeah, the record in, we had the had horny monk. <laughs> horny monks and sexy, sex, sex, sex laden priests. Let's 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 let, let's just keep this train going. <laughs> that is the Defoe commotion train, of course, that we're still going on there. So uh, this was a delightful episode, very very fun episode, uh, where we cover a lot of ground, a lot of ground to be covered with Last Temptation. We're talking about Martin Scorsese's radical take on the Gospels, the backlash to this movie, and oh boy, was there some backlash! And of course, it wouldn't be the sexy season. If we weren't discussing the sexiest on-screen Jesuses as well, <laughs> and uh, who did we have joining us on this one as well, Petros? We had probably the perfect guest for this episode. We have a man who has written the book on the biblical film. We have Matt Page or Matthew Page. I think the the book is credited as as, as Matthew Page. I think throughout this episode, I'm just really over familiar. Like, hey, Matt, yeah. <laughs> Great, man. How you going? So, yeah, it's it's Matt Page, the author. I did it again. It's Matthew Page, the author of 100 Bible films released through the BFI. And it's, um yeah, it's a great conversation and uh, goes to weird and wonderful places, as Daryl said. Yeah, you, you should expect nothing less from this podcast by now. Uh, we take it to weird and wonderful and uh, hopefully, hopefully, 
unsacrilegious places as well um so just before we get into this one if you've enjoyed the episode if you enjoyed the show you've enjoyed the season reach out tell us let us know what's going on run all the various socials Petros, where the devil can they be found? Oh, if you'd like to reach out and touch faith with us, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DefoeUPod. Or if you want to slip slide into our emails, as we said before, if it's not Mark Spam, we ain't getting it. All right, we want, we want, we want to grow. We, we want your, we want your subject heading to be just emojis, pound signs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If it doesn't look like we're going to get conned by a. Uh, an African prince. I don't want to hear about it, okay? Yeah, I want my yachts, baby. I want my yachts. Um, if I am not finding out about a relative who has died and is, I'm inheriting a load of money, come on. Don't, don't, don't be in Yeah, send those emails to defoeupod at gmail.com. Fantastic stuff. So without further ado, let's get into episode six, The Last Temptation of Christ with guest Matt Page. We will see you on the other side. Enjoy. Ta. Getting to know you, getting to know all about Willem. Getting to like you by watching all your films. Getting to know you, we'll start with Heaven's Gate. This week, we take our first visit of the season to 1988 for the epic religious drama, The Last Temptation of Christ. Defoe plays Jesus, a humble carpenter torn between his own desires and his knowledge of his part in God's plan. Now, helping us get to know Defoe a little better this week to see if you should be tempted into watching this movie or if this film will just leave you blaspheming, is UK film historian, writer, and author of 100 Bible Films. It's Matt Page. Matt, thank you very, very much for joining. How the devil are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, always nice to to chat about this film. It's uh, been one that I've been following for a long time, so it's, uh, yeah, and... And some that's been enjoying the podcast as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's always nice to it's nice to come on when you enjoy. I was in anticipation, Daryl, if you were for this episode, going to say, "How the devil are you?" Because it's like, yeah, a trademark. Is he, is he, he going to get? Is he going to get blaspheming? <laughs> oh. I know that's that's part of the fun. The intro. Petros doesn't know what it's going to be until I say it. <laughs> and then, as I started saying it, I was like, "How the devil are you?" It was like, "Oh God, he makes too much sense." <laughs> I can, I can hear the crowds forming already. There yeah. is a couple <laughs> <laughs> of big ones back at the gravel. <laughs> We're torn between our humanity and our divine duty in this podcast. Uh, very much, uh, but no, um, very much a pleasure to have the gentleman who has quite literally written the book on the biblical film. So I don't think we could have asked for a, a better guest to join us for The Last Temptation, uh, and obviously a lot to get into there, but just before we do, and as we always do, especially with new guests to the podcast, we're always keen to know, Matt Page, how well do you know Willem Dafoe? So we would love to know, uh, if you remember your first Dafoe film, how many you've seen, uh, what are your general views on the man that we've dedicated a podcast to. Well, yeah, I've been trying to work out which the first film I saw him in was, um, and and I I think I don't remember 
him in it when I watched it because he was quite a small character. So I think it was either Clear and Present Danger mm-hmm. or Born on the 4th of July. Um, I think it was oh. Clear and Present Danger was probably the first time I've kind of been through his filmography. I, I, I mean, I hardly remember that for, film at all because I probably watched it 30 years ago um, or yeah 28 29 something so but he is in it isn't he but and i haven't seen it since so i think that was the first time to time i saw him the first film i remember seeing him was mississippi burning i think um which uh yeah which is an absolute classic i I mean i remember watching that and being absolutely like kind of this mixture of of kind of outrage and (laughs) and you know like tears and um yeah just feeling very stirred by it such a kind of Mm -hmm great film and he's quite under quite underplays it didn't he yeah i've, I've re- really weirdly because we've recently covered or yet to cover mississippi burning on the podcast in the in the running order of things but that was a film that was running through my mind all the way through watching killers of the flower moon because yeah. on the kind of face of it the kind of there is a version of killers of the flower moon which is almost the story of mississippi burning because i know the book uh the david graham book is very much the fbi and like hearing yeah. killers of the flower moon like oh we've been sent by our boss j edgar hoover and it's like fucking hell he's he, he was working yeah. he, he was like in charge of the fbi from the 20s <laughs> till like the, the mid 60s it's like he really he really kept in that job and it's yeah it's it's it's, it's kind of it's all come full circle. It's, it's Scorsese, it's Defoe, and it, yeah, kind of thematically, those films. Yeah, come. join it all up together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, I do, yeah, I do remember it being a really kind of powerful thing. And it's kind of interesting because he's, you know, these days he's so well known for his, his kind of like, I suppose partly his range, but also also his face and his, you know, he's able to, he's able to do kind of crazy, almost better than anyone else, I think, probably. That he's so restrained in that film. I think I heard an interview with him where he was saying that he was up against Gene Hackman and he kind of knew his role was just to kind of play, play it relatively straight and that Gene Hackman was going to do, going to do all the other, all the other stuff. And uh, Gene Hackman kind of gave him a tip at the end to say, you know, you could, you could find a bit more, you could find another note there if you, if you, if you really wanted to. <laughs> and it feels, and it feels like he kind of took that advice in 1988 and just kind of gradually added a note and note again and again until he's like, now he's, now he's got all the notes <laughs> and they're, uh, they're all there. So, so yeah. Um, and then I think Last Temptation would have been probably another one of the early ones that I saw him in. So I think, so I think that was when I first heard about him. I'm a bit older than you, than you, um, gents. So I remember when it first came out in 1988, I was 13. And I remember hearing about it on the radio and that, you know, being kind of discussed about this idea. And we went to church when I was younger. So I, I kind of, you know, knew the kind of ins and outs of what they were talking about. And, and it sounded like, you know, it sounded like quite a kind of reasonable idea to me. And yet, obviously, a large part of the story is about the outcry of it. And so, mm-hmm. and so I think for a while after that, he was kind of known for being the guy in that film. And, you know, that was kind of his, his profile was probably a lot higher than, you know, people don't really think about that film so much these days, but at the time it was quite big. And when he did the did Body of Evidence with Madonna, for example, that was kind of the, the key reference point still harking back to, to Last Temptation. So Jesus really has fallen. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. He was tempted. Yeah. And now I don't know whether you mean kind of sexually or artistically, because it's to interpretation, really. So, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I think I th- was tossing him, and I think I've seen about uh, 25, 26 Defoe films as listed in the IMDb, depending on whether you count the kind of Spider-Man sequels or whether they're just kind of... We the count one bit. of them. 
<laughs> yeah, are you, are you talking about the um, No Way Home? No, number two. He You're counting number two. Additional footage. We're right. counting it. We're counting it. There was additional footage for it. I think three yeah. is flashbacks. So it's, yeah, all, it's, off, yeah. it's off the playing board. Okay. Okay. So I think I'm on. Tw- I think I'm on twenty five then. Nice. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, to anyone who doubts how seriously we take this podcast, me and Petros had about a half hour discussion about whether or not we should cover Spider Man two or three based on two additional minutes of Defoe footage in Spider Man two <laughs> and pre recorded audio in Spider Man three, a clip of which is Spider Man two, the entirety of which you can find online. But because of that, we will cover it in nice. its entirety at a, a later time. It's good to give the podcast legs, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> eight you know, of them. If you will. Hey, <laughs> hey. If we can get any, uh, a little drumba dump tish out of there, <laughs> that's going to sound wonderful in the edit. <laughs> I think, as we're sort of touching on here, you know, 1988, I think a very important big year for Defoe in many ways with some big films. We're talking about Mississippi Burning, which we're covering later in the season. Last Temptation here, coming off the back of the, um, the Oscar nomination for Platoon as well. So, mm. Um, a lot in the world of Defoe to sort of look at and discuss and how it relates to this movie and uh, for post-Defoe's work as well. But before we get into that, I think it's about time we pass over to Petros here for this week's De Facts and De Figures. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you join me on the mound as I give you your De Facts and De Figures. The Last Temptation of Christ was directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader, with uncredited rewrites by Jay Cox. The film is adapted from the book of the same title by Nikos Karanzakis. The film stars Harvey Keitel, Barbara Hershey, Harry Dean Stanton, David Bowie, and our very own son of God daddy, Willem Dafoe. Notable crew on this one. We have an amazing score from Peter Sledgehammer Gabriel himself. Uh, The release date of this film was August 12th, 1988 in the US and September 9th in the UK. The budget for this film was $7 million with a box office return of 8,373,585 dollars making it the 97th highest grossing film of 1988 just beating satisfaction and just behind without a clue two films i've never heard of (laughs) Uh, the imdb score for this uh, film is 7.5 out of 10 it currently holds a rotten tomatoes rating of 82 percent from 104 critic reviews has an audience score of 84 percent based off of over 25,000 audience ratings and the critic consensus reads contrary to accusations of irreverence the last temptation of christ's biggest sins are actually languid pacing and some tinny dialogue but martin scorsese's passion for the subject shines through in an off transcendent rumination on faith we get our first defoe sighting at three minutes and two seconds and his first line is the feeling begins very tender very loving then the pain starts claws slip underneath the skin and tear their way up just before they reach the eyes they dig in then i remember and that are your defects and the figures amen 
<laughs> Amen. Uh, incredible stuff. I mean, I don't think I'm bringing it up enough, but Defoe's, what I'm finding is Defoe's first line in movies are always so good. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He always gets the best first line. It must be in his contract as an actor. I, I, yeah. I accept no other take on that. But as we sort of touched on, 1988, very important you know, for Defoe in many ways. Even in some interviews as recently as four or five years ago, he's mentioned that there are still some movie roles that he loses out on because he starred in this movie, which I found very, very interesting, sort yeah. of the ramifications of this. But in terms of The Last Temptation, for you, Matt, do you recall sort of the first time you know, when you saw this movie and what your sort of thoughts and feelings were about the movie at the time as well? Yeah, I do, actually, um, because... Uh, I think I first saw it in 2000 and I I just kind of started getting the the kind of Bible films bug around then. And uh, I was still kind of a churchgoer at that stage. And I'd kind of heard various things about it over the years, but it wasn't the kind of, I think it had shown on Channel 4 once um, Mm -hmm. since it had been out. It wasn't the kind of thing you could easily get at the video shop or anything like that. And it was the kind of early days of, being able to buy stuff online <laughs> and and so i kind of like even before amazon i think it was or before i was regularly shop, shopping there and so i remember kind of sending off to this kind of slightly odd looking website <laughs> <laughs> thinking am i is this going to be the last time last i ever see this tenor or not or whatever that she was and then it came back and uh yeah so i just so i just remember it really clearly and I remember like first watching, having heard lots of things about it and all the outrage and various people trying to kind of explain it without explaining too much of it and give it away. And it was instantly kind of disorientating. And I, and I had very little idea of what was going on, was trying to work out where in the story we were. Were we in the kind of temptation bit at the end or, you know, already? Or were we before Jesus' ministry? Or where, you know, where were we? And so, and I think, yeah. And, and that was, so it was quite a kind of, it was quite a kind of rush really watching it. And at the end, it was you know there were bits there were bits of it I, I instantly loved, bits of it that are kind of a, kind of a bit weird and still still think a little bit that these days. And then I think <laughs> yeah. there are a few places where it, it it drags a bit. Although I think as I get older, I'm I'm enjoying it more. I'm enjoying it more and more. I saw it on a, mm-hmm. on a big screen earlier at uh, just at Easter this year, and it was yeah. It was, I think, my favorite, my favorite viewing of it yet. So yeah, I think if we were more prepared podcasters, we would have. We did discuss doing this as an Easter episode, but we were like, yeah, it's it's... Not weird, <laughs> <it>? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know, like in November, that's fine. I'll be fine, right? Yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it used to be. It used to be. It did actually used to be a Christian festival at Halloween, didn't it? But, well, that's the justification. Back. You heard yeah. it right there, folks. There you are. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus getting spooky. <laughs> well, in some ways, he does in, in this because this was this was a first time view for me. Got this on the Criterion Blu-ray a few months mm. ago. I was like, going to hold off until we get round to recording this episode. And it's one that I think kind of almost to use a, a term, he sort of transcends itself because I heard of the film name and it's been referenced in other media. I think there's maybe one or two like Simpsons episodes that have take like yeah. a pun on the name like the last temptation of homer of crust yeah. i think as well so it's one i'd always heard of i've seen images of like defoe jesus and the gif of him holding up like a cup of uh 
like wine and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like based on that, I was like, hey, this Jesus, this Jesus likes to party. Okay, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting, my kind of guy. And, 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 the last temptation in Daryl's mind was like, it's last orders at the bar. Yeah. Like, Do you want another one, Jesus? He goes, that's when he raises the glass. Like, yeah, yeah. Go, go on. Paul. I should really be heading off. Can't work in the morning. <laughs> Took a couple of, couple of tables to do, but. <laughs> I've got a flock to tend to, yeah. if you know what I mean, guys. <laughs> so, Jesus, you can literally turn water into wine. There's no profit loss here. This is like, this was the OG party trick. <laughs> Way before that thing where you make it look like your thumb's disconnected, Jesus was just there, <laughs> David Blaine in it up. Like, oh. like, I would have been such an apostle for this guy. I couldn't even tell you. He was actually like Van Wilder, party liaison. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, Jesus is here. We've got, we got the wine. The wine's on tap, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jesus would have been what? such a local celebrity. No doubt about it. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, and I guess he was, but in, in many respects, mm. um, and, and and I think maybe it's sort of important to state that like, um, I'm not a religious man myself, but sort of one of my first thoughts, sort of watching through the movie as well, and I think it's very much in the way that the depiction of Jesus is here, very much, if this makes sense, a human Jesus, not sort of the. I think as they sort of refer to in the the DVD commentary as well, not your typical image of like the long hair, the sort of glowing aura, the white mm. robes, very much a down and dirty Jesus. Like, uh, again, as they say, like, like just a guy you could meet on the street, just an average everyday guy who gets some headaches from time to time. We've all been there. There was no <laughs> spec savers in those days. He wouldn't have known if it, if it was religious messages from God or just migrates. Who was who's to know? Too much the but, water. <laughs> hey jesus <laughs> but i sort of remember sort of watching through this and i think there were some bits that i think as you, you said matt some bits maybe a bit too long some bits i did quite like but a lot of this i was thinking like jesus is kind of a badass i like this guy <laughs> i was like if, if if anything was going to make me to convert to religion it would be this movie i was like jesus kind of rules <laughs> yeah. i was like good on you good on you big j good on you j dog <laughs> Yeah, well, I think some people definitely. I've definitely heard some people say before that they have. They, um, I can't remember who it was or where it was, but that they, you know, did did become Christians after watching this film, which is uh, ah. not not what you'd expect. I think I don't think uh, many many church leaders would expect that. It's one of those. <laughs> like, it's one of those weird things, right? Like I listen to a lot of hip hop music, and like mm. a lot of rappers are deeply like religious, and so, like yeah. someone like Kendrick Lamar will just kind of like, do you know what I mean, proselytizing about like his kind of love of God and mm. stuff like that. And like part of like there is part of me just I don't know if it's like a shallow part of me goes, these guys are cool. Maybe 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 religion <laughs> is cool. I've kind of grew up in a in a very like uh, well, I'm baptized Greek Orthodox, but. Right. Uh, so I share I share I share a thing with uh, Nico Kazanzakis right there, yeah. but, <laughs> but I also had my had had my doubts and kind of stepped away from the faith. But and I think that is like my reasoning for never watching this film for because it's a first time watch for me. And like even like as a Scorsese fan, it always kind of like kept getting pushed to the back of the queue of his films. Yeah. I think I think just because of that, the nature of sometimes of the biblical film. I think like growing up seeing stuff like the Ten Commandments on TV yeah. and stuff like that they kind of and you'll probably be the person to to dispel this and probably point to some films that we go actually no that's actually like really deep. But they have this kind of like 
I don't know, a grandiosity and like kind of mm. stodgy, stodgy. Do you know what I mean? Stod- I have like a, an opinion of them being quite stodgy and like, I don't know, like I'm going to be uh, lectured in some way. Like, yeah. But when I watched it, I was like, like Daryl was saying, like not just like the subject matter of the, the Jesus we get. And it's interesting that Willem Dafoe says, like when people say, oh, you played Jesus. He says, I played a Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't play the Jesus. <laughs> it's like, this is, and like Martin Scorsese has kind of gone on record being like, well, this film is for me like a conversation, like this is a an interpretation of Jesus that yeah. I would want to be the conversation starter to kind of have conversations about faith. And obviously you can have different depictions of characters and obviously they, they choose chose and through the novel as well an interpretation that sees him almost as a cipher mm. for the human experience and the human experience with faith instead of yeah i think the kind of prevailing thing throughout this film is human versus divine right and so yeah. like and yeah when i was watching the film i was like well not just not the, i'm kind of into the subject i kind of like i, I did really well at re because uh, i went to a catholic yeah. secondary school so i was like i know all of these stories really well and i'm kind of i'm kind of liking the spin on it do you know what i mean like yeah. seeing knowing the kind of turning of the tables and kind of getting it visualized in a way where it's like oh jesus is fucking up this temple yeah i mean i mean scorsese was a was a big fan of all those kind of like 50s biblical epics like the robe and 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 some of those other ones as well but he does go for he does go for a totally different approach and defoe was uh was saying that when scorsese was kind of talking to him about the film and it kind of got him on board he just gave him one film which was this one by um pasolini Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Paolo Pasolini, who I'm also, I've done quite a lot of uh, stuff on him, and, and obviously, talking about things, yeah, talking <laughs> about things going circular. Uh, yeah, he played him in, in the Pasolini film. And uh, for those of you that don't know Pasolini, he was a he was an Italian, started off as a poet, but he was basically a kind of Marxist, very openly kind of homosexual filmmaker, even in the uh, 1960s, who still had kind of this strong kind of Catholic thing, but was a very kind of rebellious figure and he made this kind of like black and white jesus film in italian with with this kind of revolutionary jesus that is is basically kind of i mean he, he you know kicks ass in i suppose a similar fashion possibly even more so than than defoe does in this film and yeah and so that's that is also a very kind of human human take on it in many ways and so and so it's really interesting that, that scorsese loved those other films but he felt he kind of went for this much more this kind of human angle and 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 really kind of played that up. And Defoe was kind of saying as well that part of the job for him was to get himself out of the thing that Jesus didn't know who he was. And he you know, and that was the kind of the nature of this role that he's he's trying to kind of like, you know, we all see it and we all kind of, you know, we know instantly or I mean you know before you see it, it's gonna be about Jesus. But even when when you see him doing Jesusy things, you know, you know, you know what the story is and how it ends. Whereas from from the way this film approaches it, Jesus doesn't know any of these things. He's just getting these kind of weird weird callings from god and he's trying to trying to work you know trying to work out what it all means or try to run away from it and so so yeah and and i think one of the things that really first grabbed me about the film when i saw it was how well it kind of embodies a lot of those a lot of those kind of human side of things it isn't the kind of robert powell floating around mm. not not blinking very much thing which again <laughs> might be a, a reference for your for your older viewers but um <laughs> but certainly up to that up to that point most of the popular Jesus films were very, you know, he was very kind of aloof and, and otherworldly and 
they did kind of like weird things like he never blinked all the way through the film or they shaved his armpits <laughs> shaved, shaved his armpits for the for the, for, for the crucifixion a bit, of, a bit of manscaping going on and so uh, so yeah so so this was a very you know this was very kind of against those against that tradition even even before you get onto the kind of the, the sexy stuff <laughs> I, I i think where scorsese kind of borrows somewhat from the gospel according to st matthew is mm. the idea that that film is like a kind of cinema verite like and he's he's described it as like it mm. looks like newsreel footage yeah but like in in kind of biblical times and it kind of is using a style that is like cool and hip at the time to tell this like what what a lot of films i guess yeah like i said like would for younger audiences especially would like look a bit grandiose and stodgy yeah. this is kind of going like do you know what I mean? the bible via mean streets yeah it's a film that hasn't yeah. come out do you know what i mean it's kind of got that edge to it and that kind of feels like that's what scorsese does with this with like them kind of ditching like they, they could have like the sermon on the mound could be the kind of language we're used to like the mm. meek shall inherit the earth but like in this it's kind of a bit down to earth and kind of like maybe what it would have been saying you used to see that images of like hundreds of people yeah. there at Sermon of the Mound it's like well not a lot of people probably could have traveled around and they some of it was like budgetary it's like it probably was about like 20 people do you know what I mean yeah. this is kind yeah. of early days of this is like the first gig do you know what I mean this isn't like yeah. and it's really spontaneous is- isn't it the kind of the whole yeah. the whole vibe is very you know off the cuff and reacting to what people are saying and doing and yeah, it, and literally as it's coming to him he's not you know he's not sitting there polishing it up it's the equivalent of somebody shoving a guitar in his hand like come on jesus you know how to play a song all right then yeah come on i'll just do it like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh someone yeah. singing my lord it was the wonder wall of the day it really was <laughs> meek shall inherit the earth <laughs> And after all, we're all Jesus' disciples. I don't know what they would have <laughs> saying. See, like Jesus, it's not easy just to riff on stuff. It's it's not easy. It really is a required talent. So props to the man. He got there in the end. Yeah. I still think it's just very interesting, though, that, you know, this is a movie you can't really talk about without just the, the massive controversy that surrounded mm. it. And um, I think reading up, there's still, I think, maybe a handful of countries that refuse to screen this movie now, or if most, it might be a heavily edited version and knowing that this was supposed to come like much earlier and Scorsese had had it for decades before he was aware of the book I think it was in the 60s he was given the book by Barbara Hershey and then Mm. finally ends up getting the budget to make it and then I think it was it was about was it like 12 13 million he had maybe a bit higher and then it was the the protests start coming in the production company start bowing to the pressure of that and say no, I'm well, not no, that doing was this. The, that that was the original uh, version, which Paramount, I think, I think uh, mm. uh, Irving Winkler and his and Robert Chartoff were kind of behind it, and then yeah, I think just even the chatter around town that they were going to make it, and I think that's when he was kind of looking at other actors, which we can get into some of the other actors he looked at to play Jesus, and yeah, I think they, I think Scorsese is really interesting. I watched his screen talk he did for the BFI. Um, yeah. I think it's on that or another interview where he said like December of 1983 was like his lowest ebb. He kind of turned on Entertainment Weekly or Entertainment News had just started this thing and they're doing like a kind of year wrap up thing and they 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 drew they kind of opened a curtain. It's like now for the flop of the year and it was King of Comedy and like literally days before he had been told, yeah, we're pulling the funding for 
last temptation of christ and he's like yeah. i am literally like at the lowest place i can be yeah and like you said Darryl, i think the budget was like nearly double what it is right like, what i yeah. say it's six million dollar budget or seven yeah. seven i think yeah yeah, yeah. And then from that to go from 13, and I think they were going to film it like in Israel, kind of like very like near Jerusalem, like as, as close as they can to like the real the real places and stuff yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. Kind of years go by, and people obviously drop out, and they have to they have to look. So, some of the casting, I think, originally Sting was Sting was in line for uh, Pontius oh, yeah, Pilate. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, well, that, I think I think both. I've heard both Pacino and De Niro as being kind of like put there as potential potential Jesuses before before Defoe got involved. Which, imagine, I mean, they're imagine just you know, De Niro's Jesus. I know, I know. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I mean, it would just have been such a different film. It's like, yeah, just kind of. <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> God, you talking to me? You talking to me, God? <laughs> You're preaching yeah. to me. You're preaching to me. See anybody else? Here? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with your, with your with your coin exchange. Get the fuck out of here. Imagine Pacino. Gonna make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Put a different uh, <laughs> different spin on it, wouldn't it? But... Well, it's uh, very interesting because who else said they had? I think they said Aidan Quinn was kind of a front yeah. runner for a while. They'd I think been... he was the, probably the main one that they'd that they were going to go with i think but yeah i think aiden quinn was kind of up there um eric roberts uh ed harris christopher walken was considered which that would have been (laughs) that would have been i I mean i i I would ask you almost quite bluntly here matt i mean if christopher walken had been jesus would you have covered this in your book (laughs) (laughs) just just to pad out the pages yeah yeah (laughs) i I, know, I mean, I'd love to see it. if there was a screen test or something for that. That would be that would be amazing. But I'm trying this water into wine. <laughs> I keep having these headaches. I think I might be the the son of God. <laughs> this lion spoke to me, and then it set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'm just saying, I'll, I'd start a Kickstarter for that just to see, yeah. just a few scenes, just yeah. a few scenes, just a few bits. Even just to yeah. do, even just to do an animated version to, to get him to do the voiceover for it now would be. Uh... <laughs> we are violently against AI on this podcast, but we do have some. We yeah. do have some, some wiggle room. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I? Don't know if we spoke about this before, Patrick. Wasn't it something Christopher Walken? Like, if he if you pay him enough, he will do like your project or what? Did we speak about this before in the previous episode? No, I did. Someone... I, I just I, I just was immediately thinking if you pay him enough, he will dance and whatever. The just imagine like do you know what I mean him hot stepping with the cross in there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like doing a little <laughs> hey, hey, <Yeah>. hey. <laughs> <laughs> turning the whipping into some kind of dance. Hey, but just pilot, you're gonna whip me with your boys? Come on, Romans. <laughs> just like the Devo starts playing. Just, just... <laughs> crack that whip, Romans. <laughs> Build that cross. <laughs> I am the son of God. I'm uh, I'm relieved that both of your walking impressions are better than mine. I don't I just... <laughs> <laughs> walking and talking, baby. <laughs> 
new podcast Christopher Walken and Talking coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get fit as we do it because we're actually going for a stroll every episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're doing CrossFit as we do the episodes. It's uh, <laughs> it's a very multimedia, forward-thinking podcast, really. But yeah, some interesting choices. Uh, and then we get uh, Defoe in the role, who, uh, as we mentioned earlier, sort of this comes off the back of the Platoon nomination. Yeah. And watching some interviews with Defoe, and he was talking about The Last Temptation of Christ, and he said that quite intentionally he didn't really take any work after Platoon came out because he was almost getting too much of it. Mm. And then in 1988, I, the name of it escapes me, but he did, I think it's like another Vietnam film, which was Off-limit. Really off-limit, that's the one, who... Um, wasn't really received that well, and then some offers stopped coming in, and then suddenly, like a message from Jesus, he gets an invitation to speak with Scorsese, and then he says he was like was very direct. And next thing you know, um, we're on a fifty-eight day shoot in uh, Morocco. Was it they yeah. filmed it in the ends? Yeah, I love the story of him getting like it's like. I think he was at a B and B at the time, and like had one phone. And they're like, oh, uh, Martin Scorsese's like on a call for you, and like Willem Dafoe's like. Okay, I guess I guess this is happening to me. And he's like, he's like, hey, is that is that is that Willem? Is that is, is that I, I got I got the perfect role for you? I got the perfect role for you. Let me let me tell you about it. Have you ever have you ever seen uh the gospel according to Matthew? And have you ever seen have you ever seen uh the, the, like rattling off stuff? And he's like, so he says to him like, yeah, I've got this. I've got this project for you. It's like, obviously, he'd, he, I think he'd heard about it as well, right? He'd yeah. kind of like, because he'd been knocking about Hollywood and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. he knew that everyone had gone in for it. And then, and then he goes, well, what, what role are you thinking? I think Defoe at this point is like, maybe Paul, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, maybe the <laughs> role, maybe like an apostle or just someone. He's like, Jesus, Jesus. And goes, I think that's when he kind of had said to him, like, yeah, that you need to watch the gospel according to uh, St. Matthew. Yeah, yeah. And I think Scorsese as well, saw a brilliant interview with him where he said like, the film, and Daryl, you'll, you'll really appreciate this, the film that first put him on Scorsese's map was To Live and Die in LA. So he saw yes. that film and went, that's my Jesus, baby. Do you know what I mean? This kind of counterfeiting art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Jesus. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I don't think I've seen that one. It's, it's a, bit of a, a bit of an embarrassing revelation speech, but speech. but I, I i kind of assumed it was it was platoon that had uh had maybe nudged him in that direction because it i think they had had their conversation and then he had seen platoon because i imagine this would have been 1986 mate i'm not sure like wh- yeah when they were like talking but yeah he, he said in this interview he had watched that really liked him and then afterwards saw saw platoon so mm. like and that kind of i think confirmed it for him it's like i think yeah and imagine it makes him all of a sudden the finances can't really pull out them where it's like oh we've got oscar like it's not just that we've got like this guy's really interesting it's like once yeah. platoon comes out and the oscar nomination it's like well we've got an oscar nominee and it's kind of like if he didn't do off limits that's kind of like the ultimate post oscar move isn't it it's like i got that yeah. oscar nomination it's like fuck the world i'm playing jesus christ okay <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the worst role to uh you know brag about i found it interestingly as well obviously you know defoe's played jesus in 2013 in a super bowl ad for mercedes-benz he's also played the devil so don't tell me the man's not got range he's got it all <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm kind of surprised that's the only time he has, to be honest. I kind of feel like he would, uh, he'd, 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 he'd do a fantastic devil. I would have thought. Yeah, how good? Yeah. I don't, I don't think De Niro like because it would have been a similar time, wouldn't it? De, De Niro was like, I have the choice of playing uh, Jesus, or I can play a guy aptly named. Louis Cipher in <laughs> Angel Heart. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely all going on. He told a story as well in, in sort of the same interview I mentioned about sort of The Last Temptation, where he sort of alluded to there are some roles that he's been straight up told, like, because you played mm. Jesus in this movie, they're not casting you in this. You, you're losing out on this one. I mean, I like to think it works out fairly well for Defoe in the end. I don't think he's yeah. done too badly. No. There was there was a story that he told as well, um, obviously still to, speaking about the controversy, controversy, where he was saying that he wasn't really prepared for sort of how controversial it would be. I think Scorsese got it a little worse. So he had yeah. to have like bodyguards with him for like public appearances for a while. But he said he was leaving his house one day and there was a man sitting on like the stoop of like where he lived. And the guy was like, hey, like, are, you, are you that guy that played G? Jesus and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm that that's me. And he was like, You're in a hell of a lot of trouble. And he was like, What what what, what do you mean? And the guy was just like, That's what you do when you change the story. So I said some people just like yeah. I said, again just did not like the interpretation of of Jesus in this, like at mm. all. And like I said, again, I think maybe in sort of large part, I mean, the bias of appreciation towards Defoe as an actor and his work and no sort of real religious background for myself. I think to jump on sort of what mentioned earlier, I am baptized and I asked my mum about this because we're not a religious family and her exact words were, it was an excuse for a day out. <laughs> So, so that's that's why I got baptized. But I, you know, there's no really real preconceived notions of how I wanted or expected Jesus to be. And then hmm. again, you just get this really interesting portrayal of you know, and I think it's probably a term we'll use a lot, like the humanity, the human side of Jesus, this representation of people and sort of living your life. And right at the start, it's. The first time you see him, he's writhing on the ground in pain with these headaches, yeah. and there's the voiceover, and he's building crosses for the Romans, and sort of Judas Harvey Keitel comes along, and he says, like, you're just a Jew killing Jews. And it, the movie represents him from the start of, like, I mean, we can say, in, in many ways, this is this is the ultimate zero to hero story, but it, pres it presents him as a sinner, like, just, like, not what you expect from him, which I think is, like... Oh, this is yeah. He's not just the ultimate figure of sort of Christian religion from the get go. Um, we're sort of seeing, see the process, I guess, of how he's going and finding his sort of place in uh, quite literally God's plan. And I suppose, like, to, to ask yourself on this as Matt um, as well, you know, having seen as many biblical films as you have, this interpretation of Jesus, sort of, where does it? forgive me for asking a very broad question here but where would you say it sort of stands in for you about this interpretation of jesus or as i suppose compared to how we shall we say stereotypically see him portrayed as well yeah i mean i think it's it, it's certainly probably one of the the more more of an outlier um because it is you know it does take such a kind of radical approach to it i suppose and 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 i guess partly because because there was such an outcry against it then other people have maybe maybe thought twice about doing doing similar projects um, i mean i know there still are you know there still are people that take kind of more radical approaches to the to the subject but i think you know in some ways he fits the 
he fits the stereotype in some ways. I mean, he's got, kind of got the blonde hair, blue eyed thing going on. And that's quite interesting because that's kind of moved away now. Almost, every, you know, kind of more modern Jesus films that are getting made there, quite often using people that are, you know, have some kind of ancestral links to the to the region or from the region. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so, so I think it, I think in that way, he kind of looks what was seen as the part in, at the time. But it is also such a kind of, yeah, just just such a kind of radical take on the, the story. I mean, the kind of, I mean, even, the, I mean, you kind of talked about the kind of the stuff about the, the kind of the sinning element of it in The Making Crosses, which is, there's no other film that does that. But even just the kind of the live, you know, the liveliness with, with how he conducts himself. Like, I mean, we've already talked about the kind of Sermon on the Mount and that, that kind of way of doing it. And if you look at some of the earlier, I mean, I think quite a good kind of reference point for this film is, is uh, Jesus of Nazareth, which I don't know whether either of you, you know, saw that it used to be on a lot at Easter. No. With uh, with Robert Powell playing Jesus, who, who went on to be in The, the Detectives with Jesper Carrot, which is uh, not, such a, <laughs> not such a great career path as Defoe's cut. But, but yeah, this was only 10 years earlier. And actually that film had a lot of difficulty with you know, had a lot of controversy as well because that you know the director also said he wanted to make this more human Jesus, and so like they lost one sponsor and had to you know, everyone pulled out of it for that. But when you watch it, it's this very kind of ethereal portrayal, and you know Jesus says everything really slowly, and he doesn't blink at all, and everything's very stagey. And something like the, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, you know, it's literally just him stood there, and the crowd around all just you know listening very earnestly and. So, you know, probably like a pan in or out or something to add add something to the scene, but but it's all very reverent and and then you get you know Defoe coming in and you know you got Jesus kind of like I mean we, we talked about the the, the obviously the, the meme with the, the you know he turns the water into the wine and kind of yeah. even just that as a kind of sense of humour that kind of like winking you didn't think I'd done it but I have done <laughs> kind of thing you know I mean that was yeah that was not not at all really on the map the idea of kind of Jesus having any any sense of humour, it hardly been done at all. And you see, I mean, that's when you've seen Jesus dancing as well. I think there's one film that done that before. Quite a lot of films have done that subsequently, but no one had done that before. You know, and, and then also just the kind of the crazy elements of it as it, as it kind of goes through. I mean, again, you know, the thing about him putting his heart out of his chest and, yeah. and and just the kind of, I mean, he does kind of leave, it's interesting, he leaves going, he doesn't really go the full the foe until like the last, the last five minutes does he until he's got that <laughs> you know, oh, well, I go back moment um but he does you know he does go that far and that you know and that's very far off you know anything that had been portrayed at the time and, and i think you know more or less since really i mean i think there's been I'm trying to think of some of the more controversial ones recently but uh, so there was uh netflix did a kind of i think it was a brazilian comedy called first temptation of christ another riff on the thing but it, the gist of it was jesus was gay and that got pulled off netflix after kind of complaints complaints about that wow. so there is still the occasional thing but nothing yeah nothing nothing really on that scale and, and i think what's so interesting about it is that scorsese was so earnest about it like the kind of the the first temptation of christ thing was you know it was a you know it was an obvious it was an obvious kind of piss take joke kind of thing and mm-hmm. It, yeah, and it was a kind of you know one joke spread out over three quarters of an hour or something. But often when people like diss the film, they don't really appreciate the fact that Scorsese is like massively sincere in making this film. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, he's not doing sure. it just to kind of you know I'll make this yeah. controversy and then I'll sell the thing. He's you know he's genuinely kind of like thrashing around and trying to work out what he thinks and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that with his subsequent work, even you know 
some like silence 20 years later he, he has an amazing quote on the director's commentary of this saying like this film is like make it like and he kind of talk about filmmaking in general but he uses mm. like last temptation of christ as a as an example he says like it is love like the fact that like the effort it takes to make a film especially with like, mm. such limited budget is like getting up before daylight and being there like ready and like this camel's not doing what you want it to do and just going through it and it's like yeah having been warned off by his parents that like i don't think this is going to be a good idea to make this film and like yeah. having the compassion and the or not about the kind of drive to to feel that this story needed to be told and kind of as like an expression of of his faith and it's interesting that the kind of two main people kind of involved in this yeah. uh, are scorsese and paul schrader because obviously yeah. you've, got a, you've got a roman catholic and a calvinist kind of and that 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 kind of dynamic is interesting as well and i think like yeah paul schrader is an absolute and he's so great on the commentary because he kind of comes in every so so often and just gets like really theological with it and kind of mm. like going into the arguments around the film and saying like the fit like he said like everyone said the film was blasphemous at the time and it's like the thing that they weren't picking up on the fact like the play he, he kind of lays it out he goes the way that it is blasphemous is that it shows jesus as uh the the metaphor like jesus as a man like that yeah. is blasphemous so like everything else in the film the kind of like depictions of sex and the, the violence and stuff like that it's like that's sacrilegious yeah. <laughs> and he kind of like he's like, like some of the imagery is sacrilegious but like the film isn't inherently blasphemous in the way that and it's yeah it's interesting to see the like the the uproar about it of people who ha- hadn't seen clearly it. hadn't even seen the film it's yeah. kind of as it's getting premiered in places there's religious groups outside and there's a amazing footage of a protest in cork and uh, you kind of have students protesting the protest kind of coming in a biblical garb to kind of be like no you should watch the film and then it's interesting the people they interview as well because they they don't just go for like uh somebody who is like do you know what I mean like a kind of hip young person who's kind of going to be for the yeah. film it kind of it's it's, it's middle-aged people and they're kind mm. of like they're they're gripes with the film some people are like oh is it it's a it's a bit slow and like other, another person's like oh it's it, it's like it's really great like and i don't understand the the furore around it why people were like you can tell it's and i think someone said like you can tell like you said scorsese's made it from such a sincere place yeah and it's like all the interviews and on, on that commentary track he kind of he sounds quite like beaten down by the whole thing and the fact of like oh no i am <laughs> do you know i've had my problems with cocaine or whatever yeah. but like i am I, like i i am somebody who pretty i don't know, I guess he battles with his faith sometimes but i think in his heart is probably a devout man it's just there are different ways of telling stories right and i think yeah. this this for me yeah like i to- i i i I, I got it and maybe it's because I don't come from uh, a deeply religious background or something like that I I really couldn't understand the the furore where do you, where do you think the furore comes from Matt that's a question I wanted to ask uh I think it's the sex um I think I think that I think that's the element that you know that upset people is the element that kind of got kind of headline and again certainly yeah, that's what I remember being the thing that that people were scandalized about and and i think and, and i think again even more so back then than now you know certainly put kind of parts of the i mean it's kind of it's kind of interesting because i mean i was i was 
baptize a Roman Catholic, uh, but, and a lot of my family's kind of Roman Catholic. And so I, you know, I, I kind of have a, have a lot of respect for, for that, you know, side of, side of things. But, but I think there's a particular, you know, some of the, it's kind of quite a common thing people say about the attitudes to sex within the kind of Roman Catholicism with kind of the celibacy of the priesthood and some of the attitudes of contraception and so on. And so I was saying that's part of it. But actually the biggest or perhaps the most vocal outcries against it were were kind of more the American uh, religious right. Hmm. But I think in both cases, it's the, it was the idea of the being tempted of, you know, tempted of having having sex with Mary Medlin. And that, I think, was taken very out of context. I was kind of, I think one of the things that surprised me when I first saw it was that you know Jesus? Yeah, Jesus does have sex with Mary Madeline, but it's in a dream, and they're married. It's very, it's almost, yeah. kind of, it's almost kind of twee <laughs> that that aspect of it. And then there is the bit later on where he kind of hooks up with both Mary and Martha at the same time, and that's a bit, you know. But that was not mentioned at all, which feels that feels a bit more more light to to incite people. But is that? But it, yeah, it was that it was that kind of idea of the sex that seemed to be the thing that was the real. Real attention grabber, and there was a lot at the time. Actually, there was a lot of different stories about kind of sex and religion uh, in the in the media at the time. There'd been a kind of a, a period of a few years when there'd been a few of these things. Um, so Goddard did a film, Hail Mary, in nineteen eighty five. I'm going to struggle to remember them all now. It's going to look stupid, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But there was a whole bunch of like different kind of little scandals like this that were running. So you know how sometimes you get the same kind of versions of the story and they kind of spin on, and then this one comes out as well. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Serrano's piss Christ, the, the the photograph, and yeah, there's another film that I can't remember. Just a short film was out then as well. And you kind of, I mean, I mean, you were saying about the protests in Cork. That always just reminds me of that bit in in Father Ted with the. There's an episode called The Passion of Saint Tibulus, and they end up <laughs> protesting it with the old, you know, down with this sort of thing. Careful now, banners. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but you know, but there was there was just a lot of that around then. I think you kind of had Mary Whitehouse, you know, kicking off about a lot of stuff in Britain and um, and similar movements over, overseas. And so, yeah, it was a combination of, of things. And these, you know, and one of the comments that I think does have to be made is that you know there are a lot of christian ministries at that time whose income went up by by a sizable sizable amount i think one of them their income for that for that year went up by like a million dollars yeah yeah and you know and i'm sure i'm not saying that all went in someone's back pocket it was you know probably spent on additional wages and all that kind of stuff but that's a that's a big increase off off uh, yeah you know off that outrage Paul Schrader mentions on that commentary, like he he is just there, literally, like on a kind of soapbox of things he wants to talk about. He's like, anytime there's controversy around religion, it normally comes from a thing of financial gain as well. He says, like, it's this is trying to attack what we're doing. You need to you need to give us some money to so we can fight back against it, almost like. And it's it's kind of it's interesting you you bring up that point because it's kind of like yeah. I mean, I think it, I mean, it's one of those things that I think sometimes you get, you know, I know I've got, I've got friends that, you know, I've got a friend who's a kind of very devout Catholic and he, he can kind of, and yeah, I suppose I'd say he wasn't at all, like that, but he can kind of get his head around the, the idea of what, you know, why it might be a legitimate area to explore. But I think mm-hmm. for him, just the kind of the, he kind of just, I think he describes it as being like someone taking your your kind of worst nightmare and putting it on the screen or, or like, I think he was kind of saying it's a bit like watching a movie of your mum having sex. And that's how he kind of, <laughs> that's how he kind of feel, you know, that's how he feels about it. And so, but I think what sometimes happens in these situations is there's people that, I guess it's that difference between 
that doesn't sound like my cup of tea. I'm not going to watch it. That would probably offend me. And this thing of all these people that haven't seen the film, heard bad stuff, and then start protesting about it, and there being a protest movement and all this. So yeah, so I think I can't, you know, I kind of understand why people, and particularly people, you know, certain types of Christians would would not want to see the film and and wouldn't find it help them or wouldn't find it interesting or would find it offended them or upset them. But it's the kind of the the stirred up outrage and the firebombing of cinemas and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the stopping other people from from thinking about it, stuff that that feels, yeah, feels like it's another level and a bit and a bit stirred up. And these these things are still going on a bit as well. So there's um, a film. Have you, either of you seen uh, The Harder They Fall by James Samuel Idris Elba as a kind of cowboy? The 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 like the all the all black western. Yes, that, that yeah. So yeah. James Samuel, the guy that directed that, he is got coming out of the new year. He's got a um, he's doing a kind of jesus film as well so largely well all, all the kind of jewish characters are all black and all the all the kind of romans are white mm. and it's a kind of it's a i suppose it's very loosely ballpark to life of brian but it's kind of interesting how again that was another one of the films in the <laughs> controversial films in the 80s but but it's kind of again like feels like the same kind of things being played you know people haven't seen the film there's been a bit of misunderstanding about what happens and then there's all this kind of like sense of you know this is wrong this is offensive this people are mocking mocking jesus or whatever and it's um you know and it's all it's all on a misconception or all based you know it's people that haven't seen it getting upset and passing passing that on to other people it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing yeah it's it's all just very very interesting to sort of read about because it kind of feels like i don't know almost like this maybe like an unwritten rule to some extent of like there is a certain way that jesus has to be portrayed and then to sort of come along like this like this is a jesus who openly says uh look i have impure thoughts i've lied i've sinned like i blush when i look at a woman and then also you know, as as the film progresses, this is a Jesus who gets rebellious and righteous and angry, and he's going to lead people to like fight. And you know, he's he's torn between is love actually the answer? Can I do this? And he's confiding, I think, with the interesting betrayal of Judas as well, who's very much a best friend in this. Hmm. And I suppose maybe from my almost scatterbrained information about sort of Judas, he's obviously mostly known as the person who betrayed jesus but here is just um harvey Keitel going what are you doing building crosses <laughs> which actually like made me think of like, one of my favorite letterbox reviews that i saw of this said uh um convinced that willem dafoe as jesus david bowie as pontius Pilate, and harvey Keitel as judas with an italian american accent shouting what are you doing building crosses is is historically accurate and this is not fiction but a documentary <laughs> um. <laughs> they, they, they have like loads of like in their thinking of lots of things like back to that point of the kind of polygamy in the film like mm. i think so, a lot of that comes from research they did into kind of it's like all about carrying on the bloodline and stuff like that and like they're kind of i think from in certain cultures and that that kind of was the thing to do in like in some of their research and like so, like a lot it, a lot of the stuff is heavily kind mm. of researched in the way of like maybe not what it is in the bible but like what stuff maybe would have been going on at the time and when they said about like that you said about like the the new york accents and stuff like that they're like 
Yeah. Well, you would you would guess that the the people would be speaking in a kind of conversational manner. It's like the, yeah. we could have done it in Aramaic, like, but obviously the the film would have been a really hard sell. Obviously, Mel Gibson did it years later, yeah. and it's like the next the next best thing would have been greek and it's like again that's quite difficult and then it's like after that it's like what the biggest kind of translation would have been like the king james like translation of it so it's like do you do it in like that language or like and it's kind of they can't they kind of everything and it goes to that point of like how passionate they were about the film that all of that has been discussed and they're they're not just going hey let's do a jesus film but like with a it's not it's not like a jaunty angle to it that's 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 what doesn't come across in this it doesn't nothing's done with apart from the kind of wink to camera nothing really feels like a kind of yeah like a, a wink and a nudge to the to the audience or they're doing it yeah. with their tongue tongues in their cheek like yeah. this is people going this is what like we we believe in this like yeah. willem dafoe has said about his experiences like he found every interview he got was uh, doing to promote this film immediately the first question was about his own reli- like his own religious beliefs and he's like mm. i don't think that is i don't that doesn't really come in into it for me like just playing playing the character but he he said like especially those scenes up on the cross he said he couldn't help but he 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 describes it as almost like this weird almost like sense memory pavlovian response and he's like from being on there it's an image and he said like watching back because obviously for the criterion commentary he would have been watching the film and he's like it doesn't even look like he's like i can't remember that it doesn't that doesn't feel like me yeah. It feels like someone else. And I think he said the most he could do up on the cross, like the way they had him was like a minute and a half. And they had like, for yeah. some of the shots, like he was standing on a ladder, which I, I hope there's, I hope there's shots of that somewhere. Just like, I think I might have seen one. I think I might yeah. have seen one. <laughs> the a step ladder. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he talks about like kind of how. Prof- the corner of his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Of course, is he going nuts? What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm up here. I think I saw a picture of Defoe, like a robe next to the cross. I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> Just chilling. Just chilling. But he said you can't, you can't help but have like some kind of spiritual. He said it was a very spiritual journey for him making the film and it's almost like you can't deal with this subject matter even if it is kind of at this very radical angle that the film is coming from it's still you're still kind of going to be touched by it and i think scorsese has said as well it's like nobody is gonna if you're devout in your faith nobody's gonna come out of the back of this film going i don't believe anymore if you're on the fence with your faith there probably is a likelihood that this film and i think there are te- there is testimony from people who have like, written to him and stuff like that that people who were on the fence and this has pushed them into belief a, a, a bit more so it's kind of yeah. it's it's that it's that thing of i don't think it's i don't know i can under very much understand your friend's point of it feeling like watching a film of your, your mother having slept. <laughs> yeah. at, the, at the same time like it's not actively going out of its way to no. uh no, no, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. It, as I said, I mean, I think he he said somewhere he made it to to get to know Jesus better. And uh, cousin Zakis as well. You know, his kind of motives were similarly kind of like this this exploration of what this thing is. And it you know, know. it's really interesting. And and I think you know, yeah, it it feels like a very it's a very creative way, <laughs> an unusual way to to explore the subject. But it 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 always feels very devout to me. 
Um, mm-hmm. And even like the thing of the, the New York accents, bringing it back to that. I mean, that's a kind of, there's a kind of consideredness to what it's trying to do about stripping away the the crap that's kind of got put, put on top of the original story, I think, in some ways. And so this thing of, you know, Jesus, he was a, he was a, he was a kind of general builder rather than a kind of actual carpenter, but, you know, he, he was, he was a, you know, working guy that, you know, did all these kind of things. His mates were all standard working. He wasn't, they would have used the kind of languages and the local accents of the day. In fact, there's, you know, Peter actually gets pulled up when they're in, in Jerusalem. Jesus got arrested for, for having a Northern accent and for, you know, people going, oh, hey, <laughs> this, this guy's Northern. He's one of, he's one of Jesus's lot. And so it's, you know, mm. and it's just kind of translating that into, into, into their own context, I suppose. I, I love the humanizing language in this film mm. and like the kind of interactions. There's that moment where I think like when he's first starting to get into his stride of being like the son of God. And uh, there's that guy who's like, oh no, no, you can't, you can't come in here. And he's kind of like calling him out on stuff. He's like, yeah. Who, who's that woman you go with and like someone yeah. from the background just goes judith and he's like, yeah <laughs> judith yeah, yeah. That's a, like, that kind of like really humanizes it for me it's I, like that got a massive laugh when i saw it in the cinema at Easter. it really did it, it did. was really funny it, it did when i was watching yeah. it as well. <laughs> and i've always wondered because judith is like brian's girlfriend in life of brian whether that was a deliberate <laughs> that was a deliberate callback or whether well, that was just coincidental yeah there was a there was my a... letterbox review for this film is he is the messiah and he's a very naughty boy <laughs> uh, <that's... laughs> it's, it's the jesus multiverse is very very real <laughs> The multiverse of Christianity, I think, is uh, a yeah. the way definitely the way forward on this. But yeah, I I think one of the, one of the things I was sort of curious about as well, and towards towards the end, by this point, he is um, when Jesus, I suppose, is he's said to Judas, and he's had this very back and forth thing, saying like, "I think oh, I think this is the way to push us forward. I think this is the way to lead us." And he, you can tell, he's got that huge internal conflict of I know deep down that the only way that's humanity will eventually be saved is me on that cross and you can see that struggle like he's trying to find any other way around it when he's like back in the temple as we were sort of touching on early and he can't go through with like leading the people to commit to the attack and everything and so it becomes very weak and tearfully confides in judas is like i need you to turn me in and it sort of leads to as brief as it is i think one of sort of the best i think just one-to-one like acting scenes where it's defoe with david bowie is pontius pilot i think bowie's on screen what two minutes mm. yeah. Th- three if i'm being generous but like that exchange i thought was just like one of the high points of the movie for me as unfortunately brief as it is where they're sort of talking about their ideals but bowie's just kind of like the romans don't want anything to change jesus I'm gonna have to kill you, bad day. Like this is this is fantastic, and then Jesus gets the sort of snot beating out of him as well, and leading to obviously, you know, the image that's on the cover of the DVD and the poster and the crown of thorns and the bleeding, sort of like the sweating blood almost. And something I was very sort of curious to ask as well for yourself, Matt, especially as someone who's probably seen their fair share of crucifixions in biblical films Mm. i assume that there's you know probably some very some similarity with crucifixions you can only put a guy on a cross in very specific ways so many times but in terms of that i suppose the whole package where does this i suppose crucifixion sort of 
go for you if we're going to say the Mount Rushmore of Jesus <laughs> and the Ultimate Cross here. Because <laughs> it's, you know, the whole film has sort of been leading to this. And then mm. this is where he's confronted by the British girl, angel slash devil, because of course she has to be British. Yeah. <laughs> America. And he has that whole sort of version of events of if he got down off the cross, if he doesn't go through with God's plan, the life he could sort of have, and how it sort of leads him back to the cross as well and i thought it was just just a very interesting just take i suppose the story of it which i suppose many people will probably be have some sort of familiarity with but Mm. on the whole i suppose how did this of the many crucifixions you've probably witnessed sort of compare to the other ones for you yeah um i feel feel i could could talk for about two hours on that um (laughs) i mean i think petros was saying earlier about uh, the research that Mark uh, Scorsese did. And there was a, I think between the kind of late, like in the early 80s, there was a finding of a kind of crucifixion victim with his, with the nail through his heel rather than <laughs> through his foot. Right. And, and that was why, so, and this is kind of the first film and, and still one of the, one of the only ones that shows Jesus in that kind of like contorted sitting position rather than the kind of standard nails through the hands and through the feet one that was, you kind of get in the earlier ones and the yeah. later ones and it's one of the it's more or less the first one to show him being crucified naked as well and so which again is a kind of historically accurate thing because really it was about i mean it was about killing people but it and killing people in a horrible way but it, the point of it was to be as utterly humiliating as possible mm. and so that's why you know that's why they did it naked rather than having a kind of nice, nice little uh, pair of underpants on um <laughs> sorry a loincloth yeah yeah and so so yeah, so I think from that point of view, it is is quite. It's I mean, again, it's a ground groundbreaking in that respect, and it is got that historical angle right, and and the kind of the the kind of exploration that goes on beyond there as well. I think is is makes it really interesting. I mean, what, I think one of the things that's interesting about having seen a whole bunch of these different films is where they stop the film and what that where that leaves you at different points in the story and how and how they do that. So some films. Have always stopped on on Good Friday, but you know that's a kind of thing going back to before cinema, the kind of passion play kind of idea. You know, some films take it all the way through, and you have the resurrection, and everything ends up on a kind of really high note, um, and everyone kind of being super super cheesy and happy. Here we kind of get the we get the death, but then we get the kind of cinematic resurrection of the kind of lights flash at the end, which mm-hmm. um, started off as a started off as an accident, but then kind of like realised this was a brilliant way to. To kind of touch on that, I mean, I mean, there's a great one. There was a, a one on British television that Dennis Potter wrote in 1969, um, and that just ends, just ends on the cross, and it's just the bleakest thing, <laughs> bleakest yeah. thing ever, because it just like there yeah. is he's died, he's lost all his hope, and it's like, and there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it, so it, it kind of sits amongst those. I think it, you know, it, it's one of the, it's one of the few that does it historically from that point of view from the, the kind of how he's crucified it kind of has a lot to say about that moment and that temptation and and i think you know there's the kind of in the bible you've got the kind of bit where he gets tempted by the devil in the desert and it, it you know and obviously we've kind of joked around about how this uh you know how that is portrayed in this film um <laughs> and again there's a lot of that has been much much imitated but i guess when he and and also in gethsemane that's um i mean that happens to jesus in this film as well the temptation to go and other films put a bit more on that yeah i guess you know at that point there when he really is 
facing death, then you've got to think that if you're taking the the kind of the Christian view of the story, then at that point there, there's got to be huge temptation there. And you kind of see, you know, even even the words that you get in the Gospels that Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know, he's, he's not saying, oh, nearly done. <laughs> he's saying, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? It's mm-hmm. finished, you know, all these kind of things, you know. And so the idea that him being tempted to come off at that point, that not to kind of go through with it to avoid death, seems quite feasible, really, doesn't it? it you know, it, if, if if you're kind of following the logic through. And so, so yeah, so I think it's up there for me. I think I'm just trying to think which other ones um, are really good. I mean, I think I, I think that Dennis Potter one I mentioned is, is is another is another great one. That image of Defoe like crucified, it's just yeah. A lot of it as well. It's like that image. I'm not sure if it is kind of crucifixes have been made like in that. It like feels like it'd be weird if they were inspired by this film, seeing as yeah. how reviled it was by, by <laughs> Christianity. Is the fact that like that is the closest you always see that image of the kind of cock like the cocked knees and stuff like that. I thought like, you were going to say that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. to that. Okay, you know, you well, yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've got questions of where that is yeah. actually. You're seeing as he's naked. Well, there was. There, I didn't want to bring it up, but there was Defoe Bush. I'm just saying. It was, yeah, there was. Yeah, it was. It was there. Yeah, he he was, wasn't. He was not manscaped like uh, like King of Kings, was he? But, um, <laughs> Yeah, like when he like the 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 image of him, like just and they're kind of they they get the head like do you know what I mean the kind of turned head. It mm. just looks and it's weird to say about crucifixion, but like those shots of him on the cross are like beautifully shot with that kind of mm. like crystal blue uh, Moroccan sky and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. I know that those they like mapped out two days to get all of that stuff on the crucifix and like some of it they like it was so kind of detailed they're like right we've got 15 minutes to get this shot we've got like 20 minutes and i think the longest one they did was an hour there's like a a kind of panning shot that goes across and i think because of the budget and that like the the dop michael ballhouse couldn't look through the eyepiece so they had to it took so long because they're like we're just gonna hope on one of these takes we got the shot like i think it is when he says like you've forsaken me or something like that like when he is on the cross or he kind of calls out something yeah and yeah it's just i don't know like it, it feels weirdly at, like you said it is it is there there is kind of basis in archaeological digs and stuff like that for mm. it but like i can't yeah like from the kind of cru- crucifixions i've seen on on film i can't think of one that kind of is as striking as this because it does feel i think yeah, yeah maybe it's you see a bit of defoe's bum as well so it's like <laughs> that's gonna leave a last impression <laughs> yeah i mean it's such a i mean it's i mean if you think about the kind of history of you know western art as well there's you know so much going into that and, and scorsese is really versed in in that stuff i mean there's some bits where he obviously tries to kind of pick some of that things up and so it's a, you know it's a scene he's obviously thought a lot about and as you say it's you know it's very it's very well done and it's kind of an interesting concept of being artistically attractive but also being brutal and also being kind of fresh as well um, i know like the carrying of the cross there's a lot of like hieronymus bosch yeah like, yeah that's and a, it's kind of trying to replicate those like paintings he did of like jesus carrying the cross and it's yeah, like yeah there's an amazing Hier- hieronymus bosch painting i think it's called like yeah it's just called christ carrying the cross and it's yeah, like with all the faces in there yeah all the distorted faces kind of like jeering at him mm. and stuff like that and it's kind of even if he doesn't recreate those paintings 
like for like kind of gets the very much gets the vibe of those like the, that yeah. kind of overhead shot we get of Defoe kind of trying to get the cross down that like that narrow alley and stuff like that yeah. I think Defoe had said like they had a light cross or they had a heavy one it's like mm. well I'll take the heavy one it's less acting to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's one of the you know slightly off topic but touching on like the audio commentary Anytime like Defoe sort of like chips in, it's just like a funny anecdote about the yeah. film. He was saying like there's the scene where he's, I think he's in one of the huts and there's like the, there's the two cobras and he, he was describing how he couldn't get a straight answer from anyone if the cobras were actually safe to work with. And all they said, and all they said to him was, um, if the cobra sort of rears up, just make sure you're not near it. And it was like. <laughs> And I think at that point he had a fever as well, right? He was yeah. like really he ill. Was delirious. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like losing his mind in the desert. He just wants a cigarette. And Marty's got a bad on early on smoking. Like, oh, and I'm gonna get bitten by a cobra. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah, he's got such great kind of like stories and like <laughs> I'm delirious. I'm being approached by two cobras. I've I can't see because of all the eye drops. Yeah. He said he lost his <laughs> lost his vision for like three days because he was eye dropped up to a. And I've just met I've just met old man Marley from Home Alone as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe dead when I turned up. Like that yeah. really took took me out of the film for a second. And like, yeah. That is that thing. I recently watched uh, Christine, and all I could think about was one of the villains in that is played by the guy who gets electrocuted by Bill Murray at the beginning of Ghostbusters. And in this, I was like, wait a second. Is this guy he's gone to visit the kindly old man who is portrayed as a villain in Home Alone? Like, and then I found out he's got one of probably the best names ever, which is Robert's Blossom, which, Ooh. what a name. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. very very nice it sounds like a parent talking about their their, their child's puberty do you know what I mean <laughs> uh, um, well let's have a chat about Robert's Blossom yeah. he used to he used, he used to be very quiet and kept himself to himself and <laughs> yeah. then and then after Robert's Blossom yeah. he was a strange boy and then he got visited he said he got visited by two cobras I don't know what he <laughs> what he meant by that I think my other favourite thing um, I didn't have a chance to listen to the entirety of the commentary, but there was, there's one thing that you sort of touched on briefly earlier, Petros, that Scorsese mentioned, and I don't think I don't think he even sort of meant it as a joke, but it was, it was just very funny to me. He was like, on the first day, a camel got fired for having a bad attitude. It's <laughs> like, I was like, talk more about that, Marty. Talk more about the camel. Yeah. But like. Some of the imagery, like, like with the camels and stuff, like that, there is just like some kind of avant-garde imagery in this. So it's like mm. bits where like there's characters, I don't know if it's camels or people, they look like the kind of like, uh, what is it, like the sand people from Star Wars and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they're kind of wrapped up in these sheets and that amazing like imagery that almost looks like that, uh, looks like a Led Zeppelin album cover where you've got like the lepers coming out of those holes. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like all in slow motion. Like and yeah, like we said with when he's in the desert and he's like like visited by the cobra again and then a lion and then just a pillar of fire. Like, mm. come on! Like, yeah, we, we've all been there, right? We've all yeah. been, we've all kind of uh, been at night, and then yeah. a pillar of fire is at the end of your bed, going, mm. "Come on, do that project you've been thinking about." I'm always, I'm always plagued. I, by I fire. think, that, I think that scene has been kind of riffed on more often than any other bits of the film. I think the kind of the, <laughs> the circle in the desert and the hand through the dirt and all that. I'm always seeing that popping up in things and thinking, mm. feels like another nod to that. 
and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but other than, <laughs> other, other than Mel Gibson, but uh, Passion of the Christ, but it comes up surprisingly a lot. I think my note about that scene, one of my main notes about that scene in the um, the desert is that uh, Defoe sketches a perfect circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty pretty good, pretty good that circle. Divine power. <laughs> yeah. The, that divine spherical he power. He didn't even like tires. Do it with a do it with a string and a bit of rope and <laughs> go, go around, he hammer it down. Three-handed that yeah. bad boy. I mean, well, uh, yeah. I mean, he is he's God. So, <laughs> it's, uh, what, what else would yeah. he do? I love that chat he has as well after he's had that experience. Like, yeah. which well, it feels like a kind of like old monastery he goes to, isn't it? When he kind of like he's like kind yeah. of like first having feelings of his faith and that and there's that guy he kind of has a chat with and, and it's almost like those those chats you have with someone at like 6 a.m in someone's kitchen do you know what i mean and like, is that is that the scene with scorsese not... himself no when yeah, he's kind in of the, like, in the desert or right or right can right at the start right near the start when he's kind oh, of sat yeah. on the ledge and he's talking about like his sins and he's like yeah, god yeah. wants to like throw me off and you kind of get that like mm-hmm. whip pan shot of like the the edge of the cliff and stuff like that but like, mm. yeah a lot of these like because all of the conversations he has with people are very deep aren't they and they are those kind of yeah. like on and afters like loads of beers deep going you know what man i've been i've been thinking about the universe and all the things that well where, where is my place in all of this like normally it's me it's like am i in the right job and it's like yeah. imagine that like cranked up to like a hundred it's like i just got these i got these messages from god i think they're giving me these headaches <laughs> yeah I just, I like that, that stuff like absolutely hilarious so it's like oh yeah this is this is weirdly relatable i i sometimes feel a bit lost maybe i've missed my calling in life i know i think i think i've been on both sides of those conversations man uni was a long time ago but i've been on both sides of those conversations i think what we're saying here petros is that we 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 will soon be converting to christianity this jesus has won us over absolutely (laughs) so just a a, a much more biblical slant as well which i I don't know just uh, just uh, of the film overall it just sort of brings you back to another letterbox i love letterbox it's so good one of my favorite reviews is martin scorsese's film about jesus of nazareth the son of god a proud italian (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just, I think, all just so, just such an interesting take on sort of the story of Jesus. And I think, like you said, that it sort of ends with him on the cross, sort of, you know, he's gone back to the cross, he's screaming, you know, I, like, I, please forgive me, I want to be the Messiah. And mm. then he sort of dies and says it's accomplished. And I, I thought he worked because it ends on the cross. And it, like I said, they, like, allude to that the resurrection will come, mm. um, but you don't see it. And I think that works. It's kind of like he, we've seen him go from um, like the lowest rung of questioning everything about his faith and what's the right thing to do. And he sort of says it's, to Judas, "Is like, well, I'm just going to open my mouth and let God do the talking to put where he accept, accepts his place as one of the greatest magicians in the land to the point of he is the Lamb of God. And yeah. it's just, like again, like, I wasn't really sure how, what, what to sort of expect of, like, going into this, into this form as well. But sort of coming out at the end of it, I was like, that was really good. I was like, like I'd be curious just like if I ever watched like any other like, biblical films, maybe about the same mm. subject matter and um, how it would sort of compare to this, like how would maybe a more, I don't know, like the more, dare I say, the traditional approach to Jesus, how would that compare to seeing such a humanitarian version of the man as well? And mm. I, I sort of wonder if this, if this is one that I guess in the portrayal and the execution and, I guess how 
the term they used in making the film, how down and dirty, is there's this, like, I don't know, is this always one that you find you would compare other interpretations and biblical films to, just because of how different it is? Yeah, because, I mean, I think for, for me, having watched so many of them, what, what I find interesting about them is when they are trying to do something different and they're, or they're trying to put a new angle on on the story or, or, or feels like they're bringing something personal to them. And and this this film, I guess, you know, ticks all those boxes. It, it is doing, you know, looking at it a new angle. It's, it kind of means something. It's not just, and it feels like, you know, you can just the whole way through, you can kind of feel Scorsese and Schrader kind of wrestling with the issues and, and Defoe outworking that as well, really. And so it's, um yeah, so it's certainly one of those ones that I kind of come back to a lot. And as I said, it's certainly kind of a bit of a, <coughs> An extreme in terms of, in terms of the other ones. A lot of the some of the other ones are, I mean, I think the ones that are the least interesting to me are the ones where it really is just trying to kind of like plod, you know, try and be as faithful as possible, as if that's the kind of thing that is really that doable anyway. Yeah, or, or feels like it's really pushing pushing a certain certain agenda, or yeah, it is just a bit too too kind of standoffish. I think, and I think, and so because of that, uh, this is one of those ones that that feels like it. It has, you know, it has passion about it, and it has, it's prepared to think about the subject in new ways. And you know, when I watch it again, it, it, there's, you know, like, there's things I think about in new ways. And even, you know, in this chat tonight, there's like been things I thought, oh, you know, I haven't thought about that from from that angle before. And 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 so, yeah, and so that, I think that's for me why it is one of the ones that I find I kind of, you know, I find more more interesting and kind of keep coming back to. Off of that poignant and very thought out answer, <laughs> I want to, I want to. Um... I want to uh, debut a one-time feature on the podcast, which I am calling Sexiest Jesus. Roll the theme music. So I have an article here from uh, the New York Post. Uh, many would say sinners of journalism, which have a <laughs> list of uh, the uh, sexiest Jesuses in movie history, or hottest as they call it. I'm I'm, I'm rebranding okay. it as sexiest. We're going to go through a few, and then we're gonna we're gonna see if Defoe's sexier, and we're gonna have a look at that. They've done a one to five rating here. So Ted Neely is uh, the first one up on the list who has lazy, played him. Lazy Eye Ted. Yeah, Lazy Eye Ted. <laughs> In Jesus Christ Superstar has got four out of five. I guess I Google these as we go along, so I don't want to miss out. I really should have. I really should have put the put the article in the uh, in the notes, but then you wouldn't know. You would know the score. Uh, we have Christian Bale as one of them as well. In uh, yeah, the Mother of Joseph, nineteen ninety nine. Kind of okay. early. So Ted, ne- Ted nearly pretty 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 hot, pretty, pretty hot sexy. Jesus, pretty sexy Jesus. 
Christian Bale. I don't. Is he that sexy? I don't know. No. I've, I've I've got beef with him because of his terrible Greek accent in Captain Gwendolyn. <laughs> but that's that's by the by. Let's not get yeah. into the, the Christian Bale one's quite early, and it's he's he's in the film that's that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he's just a bit too much of a mummy's boy. Really. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the problem. We, we all know. We all know that Jesus is for his dad. Come on, don't try and spin off that yarn. Yeah, well, he fobs <laughs> he, he her off in Last Temptation, so. Yeah. 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 Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, over, I'm over you. I'm, I'm a daddy's boy now. Jeremy Sisto we have as well. Uh, he was in a film, Jesus, from Yeah, I think he would. I think he would be, if I, if I was to do a list, I think he would be on there. I'm trying to think how long this was after Clueless. He was in Clueless, wasn't he? Henry Ian Cusick we've got here as well, who, who is Desmond from Lost. Yeah, so, oh, I can so he's, got the, he's got the vibe. He's got the vibe of Jesus. Yeah, he's, I've not seen Lost, but he's, he's apparently it's a very different role from what I ended. Is he a badly in Lost? No, he's quite a not. He's quite it? like he's yeah. an ambiguous character. To Misunderstood with, for a while. Yeah, he's got. Every, a, everyone ends up loving him. He's oh, got yeah. one of the best episodes of the of the whole show as well. Of TV. Dare I say yeah. that this, 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 this is for the Lost podcast? We've got a lot of podcasts yeah. going on, but. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, one episode. That, what, so I was going to say, well, one of the things that's interesting about Last Temptation, having kind of talked about it for quite a lot of years, is it, it kind of all changed with Spider-Man. And you, it kind of there was a, a point when people, you know, I've talked to him a few times at the universities about it, and there was a point when all of a sudden the kind of consensus shifted from this is a kind of interesting, a bit, bit different, bit challenging, to it's kind of weird seeing the Green Goblin play Jesus. <laughs> you, know, you kind of hit that generation where people, that was the first they'd seen William Defoe, and they, that obviously left a strong impression. And then, then to see this guy playing. So, yeah, and I thought, I'd thought i heard Henry Ian Cusack was another one of those that you kind of, you know, if you'd, seen, if you'd seen Lost and then you saw it, it was very different than if you saw, if you saw the Gospel of John first. Well, yeah, this, this is a very weird one. Jake Johnson in Harold and Kumar's uh, 3D Christmas uh, played plays Jesus, I believe, in a in a vision. So uh, Jake Johnson from Lost. That's an obscure one to uh, <laughs> to go. For. He got he got on the handsome rating. He got one star. Uh, one star. Yeah. And then one I have to mention because he was dubbed on the internet as Hot Jesus hashtag Hot Jesus on Twitter, which is Diogo. Morgado, who has played him twice in The Bible from 2013 and Son of God from 2014. So he's done, he's done the he's done the double Jesus. He's done a rare double Jesus. Yeah. Well, it was actually um, the, the the Bible was like a ten ten hour. Well, oh wow, six and a bit series. You know, it was kind of like ten hour long episodes, but with adverts. Um, and then they kind of like recut it for cinemas. So oh, I don't. I think there might have been the odd bit that was extra added in, but. Um, but yeah, yeah, he was a he was a model, wasn't he? Before he was before. He was oh, Jesus. there we go. I think he was. Yeah, there we go. That yeah, is a model, smoldering so. Jesus. I mean, yeah. if you're listening, you know, Google along at home wherever you're listening. But that Diogo Morgado, smoldering Jesus. That's a five out of five Jesus for me. Yeah, you'd be tempted. This is the most I've ever Googled Jesus in my life. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> so, in the last ten minutes, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell you like Willem Dafoe's rating on this scale is one out of five. So Scandalous! By their, by their rating, he's the least sexy Jesus, and their writing says the foe's unique uh, uh, appearance damns him. It's hard not to look at his beady eyes and creeptastic smile, and not just see the Green Goblin from Spider-Man. Oh, exactly the, there we have it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's been. I think he's been done down there, there a little bit. I think I definitely place him above Ted Neely. But he's, he's the sexiest Jesus for me. Mm. 
<laughs> but no mention of uh, of Jeffrey Hunter. The uh, he's he's won. Um, he did the nine sixty one. My King of Kings one. That's one of the ones. My uh, this, this feels very very. There's a recency bias. I think yeah. to this. Like, that's, that's the one Sorry. my wife says is the sexiest Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, okay. Opinion yeah. is out on the sexy Jesus. Let us know if you're listening at home. Yeah. Hashtag then, sexy Jesus. Yeah. And then other people say the monobrow Jesus from the, the Pasolini film, the Gospel according to St. Matthew. It's, hey, it's a, you, can, you can all have, as Depeche Mode yeah. said, you can all have your personal Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm something of a Messiah lover myself, I think, with all these Jesus. Good, good Lord. God. Uh, pun very much intended good <laughs> lord and that wraps up sexist jesus <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think on um that delightful deliciously sexy uh jesus note is time to sort of come to the uh the wrap-up stage of the episode and we've got a few key bits of information as our sort of takeaways of the movie the first of the three that we're covering is in this movie, and we're looking at the character, we're looking at Defoe. We look at Defoe specifically this month. We ask, do, does he do deface? Do we get a Jesus deface from Defoe? So anything that would be, you know, a classic, dare I say, a Green Goblin esque, gif worthy Defoe face in The Last Temptation of Christ. So we always go to our guests first. Um, and Matt, for you, were there any defaces? in The Last Temptation. There were, yeah. I think there's a couple. One of them is the one at the end uh, where he's just he's just kind of decided his hair is all straggled. He's looking all over the shop and uh, he's kind of saying that thing of he's realised that he's going to go back and he wants to go back and he's praying and he has to go back. So we definitely get a deface then. But I think we also get one in the scene where he, he kind of rips out his heart from his chest. <laughs> I think... Uh, yeah, there's definitely a bit of uh, of deface going on there. Perfect. And Petros, same question. Yeah, I think it is that kind of that one at the end where it's Defoe under all the prosthetics as well. I love the kind of prosthetic work in this, like not just Harvey Keitel's nose, uh, yeah. but like the kind of the, the the aging, and you get that amazing kind of jump cut of like Defoe after he's had that discussion with Harry Dean Stanton hmm. as Paul, which like I'd be remiss not to mention that scene yeah, as well. Just Harry Dean Stanton. It's it's just so great. Harry Dean Stanton's great, and that kind of that thing of like the that adage of either you have you the truth or the legend always print the legend. Like his kind of thing of like, well, yeah. if it means crucifying you in my version, you're going to be crucified. If that's going to save people, and I kind of like that feels like a kind of big message point of the film. But yeah, it, for Defoe faces, it's it's old man Jesus kind of going like, take me back, I want to sacrifice myself. Like all of that <laughs> stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, yeah, here we go. It's like the final moments is like, is he is he gonna do it? And then he pulls one out right in the last moment. So it's a yes on a deface for me. Yeah, I think three for three on the defaces for me as well. Like some of it's a bit more subtle, like blink and you miss it, but you know, this is a uh, an angry Jesus with some um, angry defaces to go along with it as well. So it is there in, in many moments. So I think three for three under the faces. Uh, the second question we come to in our wrap-up, looking at the character of Jesus of Nazareth, not necessarily Defoe, but the character. Does the character have BDE? That, of course, is big Defoe energy, uh, big dick energy. Um, so we go to yourself, Matt, first. Does Jesus have big dick energy? Um, I think he does at times. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, we've we've kind of touched on the issue of uh, where uh, little Jesus, shall we say, goes during the during the crucifixion <laughs> scenes. Um, and it it was one of the first. I think it was the first film to show him to show him naked, and even even as much as it showed. But um, but that's not quite the question. It's, we've got to uh, assume that's already ascended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, putting, the, putting the erection into resurrection, am I right? <laughs> yes, please. I was, I, mean, I was thinking when we talked about David Bowie earlier, I was thinking, I mean, the uh, the schlong off in that scene was just, uh, <laughs> I mean, that must be the, that's possibly cinematically the biggest, the biggest dick energy scene of all time. <laughs> Strong arguments for uh, Yeah. But in a kind of more metaphorical sense. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I think I mean the scenes. Yeah, the, the the scenes where Jesus is in control and is kind of like feeling things are going well and taking off, and he's, you know, on on the up and up. I think there's definitely the the kind of character is is very much yeah there and very strong and uh, and a metaphorical BDE. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and Petros, do we get some uh, some Jesus BDE for you? I think so. I think any man who's ripping his own heart out to feed to his mates, that's pretty I think saying, drink this, this is my blood, eat this is my body. That's pretty big dick energy. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. to, have, to have the stones to say that to your mates. Do you know what I mean? If, if I pulled that out at a party, people would be like, He's lost his marbles. This bloke. I think, yeah, I think, I think knocking about that those cellars in the temple. That's that's kind of come on, old old man Jesus, kind of moving in on two women at once. Can't get, <laughs> can't get bigger dick energy than that, baby. Do you know what I mean? Like, I won't just have what my wife's died. I have both of you. Get over it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, bouncing off the back of what you said, like this is a Jesus that fucks. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, between that, ripping his own heart out, just in that party scene where the guy's like, oh, God, this is, I'm so sorry, Jesus, we're all out of we're all out of uh, wine. It's like, it's going on about again. again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <It's> just, <laughs> he just keeps saying to that guy, Check it again. It's like when I was telling you, I've checked it myself. He's like, uh, check it again. Said, no, I, I, I'm telling you, I've looked in my own eyes. I think you want to go and check it again. And he's like, oh, fucking <laughs> wine. Uh, and you know, I think in the more literal sense, anyone who's going to put themselves on the cross and take on board this idiot sins pretty BD from me as well. That's um, an old boy of I sinned. Um, that is some pretty BD for me. And last but by no means least, a rating of the movie. So we don't just give it your thumbs up or your thumbs down here on getting Defoe you. No, no, no. In classic Defoe fashion, we give it a friend or a Defoe. So, Matt, for you, The Last Temptation of Christ, a friend or Defoe? Yeah, I'm Defriend. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, it's grown on me as I've, as, I've got, as I've got older and as I've seen it more times, but I am, uh, yeah, I'm firmly Defriend now. Fantastic. Petros, Defriend or Defoe? Defriend, despite my kind of reservations I said earlier of like putting it off for so long. I think this is one like, I may wheel out like every Easter or something like that. It's kind of, it's going to, it's going to kind of be in the, the Scorsese rotation. It's going to be in the Defoe rotation. Yeah, it's really great. And it's kind of given me like the kick up the arse as well as your book mat to kind of check out other films i know that i think as soon as this call is over i'm going to be watching the the gospel according to saint matthew so yeah. like the fact that it's kind of well, well make sure you watch it in black and white with in italian oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 
there's there's some like horrendous colorized versions out there and with with like cheesy american voiceovers that should should no no, no dubbing for me no yeah no, no, <laughs> We are purists here, if nothing else. <laughs> um, and, and I think, yeah, I think I've got to make this a three for three on the defend. Um, you know, this is we've we've waxed lyrical about this, but this is just interesting and impressive interpretation of Jesus. I think it's one that you can sort of wheel out to people who are maybe skeptical or atheist or whatever. But like, it's not preachy. It's 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 a film, as you said, Matt, it's maybe like passion and it's just a very, again, I use the word interesting a lot, just to take on the story and interpretation and, you know, screw the New York Times. This is a five out of five sexy Jesus and will not hear otherwise. New York Post, not Times. Times are good. Thank you for okay. three out of five. Frabs <laughs> <laughs> uh, alone, well, I said. <laughs> and I think, as you said, Petros, I think this is one I'd be happy to sort of watch again. You know, I think some parts it does drag a bit. There's some scenes I really enjoy. But this could be a firm Easter rotation special for you, boys. So three for three on the friends uh and with that said you know it's certainly time to say again matt page thank you so much for taking the time the man who wrote the book on the biblical film what a pleasure it's been to have you for the listeners for our friends listening uh where can you be found on the interwebs the socials all that good stuff as well uh well i i run a blog called the bible films blog if you google that you'll probably be able to find your way to that i'm on twitter as just at matt page or x or whatever it's called now so if you get that before um it all silves into the <laughs> fiery, fiery mess a bit a little bit like the end of the film and you can find me on uh, under bible films on facebook so they're the uh places to go amazing so thank you so much again and with that all said it is time for us to get ourselves down off our own crosses and uh move on and become old men and just see what happens with our lives so it's uh time for me to say i've been daryl i've been petros i've been matt and we've been getting to you and there you have it church has been concluded the choir has finished singing and the holy light has engulfed us all and what an episode what a what what, what a joy what a um what, what a fun one to have uh, what a delightful guest in matt page as well i think yeah as i may have said on the episode is it's a film that i kind of held arm's length but it's what a what an absolute treat of a film and what like a radical kind of telling of that story like yeah you got bloody you got you got judas played by harvey Keitel, baby going like hey jesus i'm walking here <laughs> <laughs> why are you building those crosses <laughs> you motherfucker <laughs> uh, i mean you know it's uh i think as i said in the episode it's one that i i wasn't i had no idea what to expect uh, as we you know we said openly in the episode i'm not a religious man we're not religious men so I was kind of expecting to have some kind of ambivalence towards it, but you know, if if religion can be this badass, then consider me converted, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, we we, we were both converted because it's this is a free for free. <laughs> this is a, in this season, it's a rare free for free to friend. I know it just doesn't happen, but all we needed was the light of the Son of God to show us the way <laughs> and bring us together as well. So, yeah, um, a fantastic episode. We had a lot of fun recording it. We hope you had fun listening to it, and thank you for listening. If you have been, um, you know, did a folk emotion train 
keeps on chugging along. Uh, Petros, what have we got coming up next week? Oh, next week we are talking about White Sands from 1992, where we will be joined by Scott Murphy from the New Horror Express podcast and the 90s Action All The Time podcast to get into it, get into a kind of uh, thriller. Defoe, Mickey Rourke, Sam Jackson. Yes, please, sign me up. Oh, baby, baby, baby. And it wouldn't be an outro if we didn't thank, as ever, Mr. Matt Dixon for editing the episode. You make us cross in the religious sense in that you are our religious idol and that we look to you for guidance when days are long and tough. Oh, without this, we are just a couple of silly boys drawing a circle in the sand in the desert and not you visit us like that flame you visit us like that lion without that we'd just be a couple of nutsos talking jibber jibber in the middle of the desert <laughs> so out of the desert we go into another desert next week for white sands there's your link baby yeah um, keep it sexy <laughs> sand is sexy baby <laughs> and i won't hear any different <laughs> uh, but of course we told you at the top We'll tell you again. If you enjoyed the episode, if you want to keep in touch and see what we've got coming up, what's going on, reach out to us on all the usual socials. And if you'd be so kind, Petros, give them the old reminder. Oh, so you can find us at DefoeUPod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Or you can drop us an email, which is DefoeUPod at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be a friend and never a defoe and head on over to apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now and give us a lovely five star rating and review yes please so once again thank you for listening we will catch you next week as we keep on covering all the highs all the lows on all things willem defoe right here on getting to foe you so until then until then bye bye for now bye getting to foe you getting to know all about willem getting to like you by watching all your films getting to foe you will start with heaven's gate and watch them all till the present day.